interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Boy, we're in the thick of the football season here. I don't know about you, but I was at the home opener. Uh, it was kind of like old school home opener. It was exactly the kind of game that we love. Kind of close in the first half. Break it open in the second half. Hometown guy from Kearney plays a great game. We lose our two best running backs. Uh, but, oh well, it's just football, right? What do you mean it's just football? It's Husker football. The state loves this, but we'll find a way to bounce back. And Louisiana Tech, watch out. We're coming for you today. The defense is hot, and uh, it's going to be a great game. By the way, uh, oftentimes, if there's an 11 o'clock kickoff, uh, friendly Fire is preempted because pregame starts at 11. And that, hey, we love Huskers, we love pregame. So you miss a Friendly Fire, you get Husker pregame. So uh, this week, uh, a 2.30 kickoff means that pregame starts at 10.30. So you're going to get a partial local morning, and then you're going to get Husker pregame. It's all good. Just keep it dialed right in there to uh, 1400 a.m., or 99.3 FM, and uh, this is your home of the Huskers. Today, I've got uh, a repeat guest who uh, I had on before, and I just want to get an update on what's happening with a local ministry. And uh, and by the way, this is going to be, a, the I think this is number two in a series of uh, talking to some local and one international uh, missionary. And it's great to have Nikki Long in a studio from Juniper Refuge. How you doing, Nikki? Hi, Stu. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, the I can't remember how long ago. Was it a couple of years ago or something you were in here? Uh, about that, a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah it's been a little like while. That. Yeah, yeah. I, you're a big Husker fan, right? I mean, you just die for it and live and die with the Huskers. Go Big Red. I am. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm from Georgia, though, so I'm an, I'm an SEC fan, and uh, I, I bleed red, which works well that here. Does. That does. So, yeah, go dogs and go Big Red. It is a great season <laughs> to be a Georgia fan. It has been a that few was, great seasons. Oh, my goodness. No, they're, they're in a big-time role. And you know what the best part about Georgia doing well is? Think about that. Think, you don't have to think too hard. What's the best part about Georgia really doing well? Uh, well, you know, it makes it easy to be a Georgia fan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But what's the best part? Oh, what do you have in mind? They, they, the best part is that they beat Alabama. Oh. And Alabama goes down. That's true. That's true. So we also, our best friends are also from Alabama and so big Bama fans. And so uh, we have some, some, you know, some days out of the year we might, we might not talk to each other, yeah. but um, yeah, we're still, still SEC yes. fans, but yes, you're right. Every yeah. year that we win, they they might not. So. Yes, yes. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, I, I knew you'd eventually come around to that. You see, <laughs> as, as a Husker fan growing up, it was uh, we we root for the Huskers and whoever's playing Oklahoma, sure, or whatever. And 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 then it kind of shifted to now it's shifted to whoever's playing Alabama. Mm. So we so we we're definitely rooting for the dogs. Well, thanks. We'll yeah. we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Until they until they finally until the Huskers finally get uh, good enough to play the dogs, then we'll have to stop. But well, and then you'll have to make a tough decision. You know, I have so my alma mater is um, actually I'm a, I'm a Eagle uh, from Georgia Southern, which uh, actually played yeah. Nebraska last year. So I did Sunday morning church. I, after the after the game, I did wear my old T-shirt, and I yeah got some looks. 
but you know you can't turn your back on your alma mater and mm-hmm. you <laughs> and you earned that one that was that was how bad was that game was it was it even kind of close or did Georgia Southern kind of just squish us um it uh it was closer than some other games, yeah. but yeah, it was a tough game. It was. I I know I was there, and I know I was <laughs> sad. It was like, oh no, this is it's really going to happen. But I'm so glad that you were happy. Yeah, yeah. I was. There's a few of us. There's there's three Georgia Southern alumni that I know yeah. of in Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. So there were three of us happy people yeah. that Sunday. Now being raised in Georgia, what happened to your your Georgia accent? Well, I know that's funny. It comes out when I talk to my mama on the phone. Mm-hmm. It comes out real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've spent I spent six years living abroad, and you know, when you work with uh, yeah. new English speakers, you try to enunciate, and um, uh-huh. so it 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 kind of comes and goes. It depends on how how often I talk to my mama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's awesome. We we love we love a good southern drawl. Yeah. Uh, as long as as long as we can understand what you're saying. That was uh, my uh, brother-in-law went to a restaurant and then the waitress kept asking if he wanted rose with that. And he's like, why would I want a rose? I'm not sure. Uh, do you want rose with that? And uh, you know what she's saying, wasn't she? You want rolls. <laughs> that rolls. Is, that is correct. <laughs> with butter and honey. And, yeah. And, uh, and, but it was, it, he, he said, we just went back and forth and back and forth with, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. And after the third time, you just feel embarrassed to sure. say, I don't know what you're saying. But, uh, can you so, spell it? Yeah. Can you, there, that's what you say. That is. Yes. Yeah. Now, speaking of, okay, enough, enough catching up here. <laughs> uh, t- give us the elevator pitch on what Juniper Refuge is, and then we're going to take over the course of our time here. We're going to talk about some of the nuts and bolts and things that you're doing. Also, hey, a couple of fundraisers around the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's the elevator pitch for, for Juniper Refuge? Okay, so we are a parachurch ministry. We're a mm-hmm. local church ministry. We want to help connect Christians and refugees together for relationship building. Yeah. So the uh, the biggest need that refugees continue to say that they want, when they, and immigrants too, um, are friends. Mm. Um, they really just want some local um, homegrown friends to uh, uh, to be in community with to help them advocate for um, you know uh, learning how to do different things here in the states, yeah. um, but just have a sense of belonging to this yeah. place. Um, there's so many awesome uh, re- resources in yeah. in Lincoln, and so um, those are I think appreciated and greatly needed. Um, but that 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 friendship piece is just a huge mm-hmm. component when you're going um, to a new country and trying to find a way to to make your home yeah. there. It's a connection to the people. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we hope to do for the church as a as a Christian ministry is we want to um, to be a welcoming uh, the presence of Jesus um, mm-hmm. with people who want that that place for belonging and community. And we yeah. know that. Um, you know, in, in Christian communities that we care about healing and we care about the whole person mm-hmm. and we're not just focused on you learning English while that's important. Um, we care about your whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to help churches find ways to engage their congregation um, yeah. to, to meet that felt need and desire. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, there are some I mean, some of the stuff was, was encouraging to me when we talked before. and We'll talk more about all these different things and some, and some new things on the horizon. But. But a lot of the a lot of the things that you that you're doing are very practical, and yeah. so a lot of people might say, "Well, I don't know how to you know fill in the blank." But but most of the things that you're equipping people to do uh, cross culturally are 
are very practical. That's right. I mean, because that's that's an it's an easy way to start a relationship. Is mm-hmm. there's a, a felt tangible need, and so we spend a good amount of time training the volunteers from our church uh, church partners on how do you teach someone English in their home? Because a lot of these women they don't want to leave their home. They've got young mm-hmm. kids. They enjoy being homemakers. Mm-hmm. Life is busy at home when you have lots of kids, and so mm-hmm. it's really sweet yeah. to have someone come in your home, but. Um, an everyday American might not feel comfortable doing that. So we help, yeah, do a lot of those trainings to help them build those bridges and take the initiative Mm -hmm. to fostering that relationship. Yeah. 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 It's in the, in the old Testament. uh, So God's people are, are uh, told again to be kind to people who are kind of on the margins of society. Yeah. And, uh, and the kind of the big trio in the old Testament is always the widow, the orphan, and depending on which translation you might say the sojourner or the alien or something like that. The stranger. The stranger. Yeah. yeah the somebody who's, who's passing through and, or maybe is going to stay. Uh, I mean, almost all of us have a history of, of somebody in our family, uh, came to this country and decided to stay, and, right. and we're here today. Uh, have you ever looked back and see what were your ancestors when they came over? Um, I don't. Uh, I think it was probably in the 1700s, but yeah, I'm German yeah. and um, Irish. So interesting. Yeah, same here. German from uh, 1732 in the port of Philadelphia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, whatever, my great 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 grandfather, sure. uh, can't, and I didn't even know there was a port in Philadelphia. But that was one of the major ports before Ellis Island, you know, it was uh, coming into Philadelphia, the first capital city of the country. Yeah. So everybody has a everybody has an immigration story. Uh, and, and so you you kind of distinguished here. Now, there are there are immigrants and there are also ref- refugees. And what's the what's what's the difference in the story between the, a kind of immigrant called a refugee? Sure. Um, So a refugee has to fall in one of five categories that are defined by the UN, Mm -hmm. um, the UNHCR. So um, maybe they are people who have been persecuted for Mm -hmm. their faith, um, their ethnicity, um, Mm -hmm. their political affiliation, um, their religious affiliation. And um, of course, right now I'm blanking on a fifth one. but uh, you know you get put on the spot, and but it's some you can't kind think of, pers- of that last it's one. some kind of persecution, though. That's right. Yeah. yeah, they they have been forced to leave because someone is trying to harm them due yeah. to one of these five uh, yeah. uh, five categories. Yeah. Um, and so an immigrant might be someone who just chooses mm-hmm. to to change locations. There could be you know something uh, something else driving that. Um, and then people, you know, that's also distinguished between displaced people group. Um, Mm -hmm. so maybe someone has to leave because of a tsunami or an earthquake. So they're not necessarily considered refugees by UNHCR. Um, but those, those five categories would, would qualify someone as, as a refugee. Um, and so even when we think about Afghans who are coming here now, um, wouldn't technically fall under that category, which, Mm. um, they do, uh, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, they've come over on this welcome operation allies program and Mm. they're, they're through humanitarian parole and so it's all these different um technical like visa status uh you know they they get different privileges depending on what their visa status is but uh yeah that's digging into the weeds that i I think immigration is a complicated and a very challenging space to be yeah Yeah. absolutely we're gonna take our first break when we come back um i want to dig into uh one of the recent things that you did and uh, because we were involved in that and uh and then we'll we'll talk more about again super practical stuff and yet, uh, and yet amazingly meaningful stuff. 
uh, that's coming on. So we'll, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back. You're listening to uh, Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday uh, talking with Nikki Long. She's uh, the director, executive director. Sure. Well, sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she leads this group. It's called Juniper Refuge. And uh, I had an intersection with Juniper Refuge here recently because we were able to host one of your events. And this, I, I think, is, a, is this the first time you've done this? Yes. So the, tell us about tax preparation. Yeah. So it was a financial literacy course that okay. we did. Um, you know, it is, it's a, it's a huge uh, leap to go from a cash culture to a banking culture. And so we started to see a lot of these concepts around like saving money in order to pay for monthly bills that come in as opposed to day-to-day -day things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when you have uh, a culture that doesn't really um, uh, encourage debt or, uh, or even healthy debt um, to this place where, okay, credit cards can actually build your credit score or homeownership um, renting needs a good good credit score and so how do you build a credit score and okay well you kind of need some kind of debt or, or, or a relationship there to build that and, mm -hmm. and so there's these like huge concepts that um, in order to, to think about thriving in America um, knowing our systems a little bit better so mm -hmm. how does how do our banks work are they trustworthy why are they trustworthy so mm -hmm. even starting the foundation for that I think was really um, really foreign for I mean it was really Really, the impetus is the, the, the mass influx of Afghans that came and, and the amount of information they mm -hmm. needed to acquire so quickly. Um, there's so many entities trying to uh, uh, get you to learn this and that and this and that so that you can learn how to thrive and your family can be successful and, and healthy, um, that it's, it's a lot at one time. So we were trying to space it out a little bit and we felt like this was a good time to do that. Um, and there had been some some uh, experiences in the year prior where some Afghans were taken advantage of um, during uh, uh, filing their taxes. So um, how can we preemptively help our Afghan, our new Afghan community um, actually learn what's um, under underneath all of this and learn mm -hmm. to go to H&R Block? Um, <laughs> instead of hiring a random person, um, how, you know, where, wh what are entities that you can trust? And so helping to inform them in that way. Um, and so we worked with, uh, Vita and AARP to host that, um, to provide a lot of those lessons and, and walk them through an entire tax form so that they know what's being asked and they know why it's being asked mm. and, uh, and then to help them actually fill out those forms themselves and, and then do e-files for them. Yeah. So, um, to be a, a trusted entity. Um, that they could uh, lean on and and have mm -hmm. professionals to answer all of those questions. Yeah. I think was um, I think it was really successful, yeah. um, and uh, it was uh, really accompanied by uh, the the. Um, uh, the, the Afghans mentors or co-sponsors or, or volunteer friend, whatever you want to call them. Um, we, we open it up to the Afghan community, so not just people in our program. Yeah. Um, but we were hoping that a lot of those volunteers and, and friends would uh, come alongside them on this training so that they could help them. Okay, you learn this today. Mm -hmm. This is how this applies at home. These mm -hmm. are the forms at home that go with yeah. this information. And so to really spend that time teaching yeah. Um, we felt was a really great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just talking with a friend the other day about uh, 
okay, being whatever age, you know, 19, 20, 21, when you finally are living in your own place and you're, man, you might have, if I was 21, I got married. And so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm adulting. I'm trying to do all these right. things that adults do. And all the questions that come up there, you, how do you, how do I pay my taxes? How do I get the plates on the car? How do mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, renew this or that, or, or where do I go to get my insurance yeah. and, and all the kind of things that is just an endless checklist. Yeah. Uh, and I and I would assume if that's daunting, I mean, for for me, who knows the language mm -hmm. and hasn't has a loving family and friends, I can ask questions to how much more. I mean, just crazy daunting must, must it be for uh, for a refugee? Absolutely. And even um, a lot of the refugees that we work with are, you know, very capable, educated people. And a lot of them are not even literate in their own language. Mm. And so when they come from these oral cultures and you put all these papers in front of them, yeah. they, they, I mean, it's such a big leap for them. And so, yeah, a one or a zero, I don't know which number to put down on this line. Who yeah. knows? I mean... <laughs> Thank God for my husband yeah. who gets all yeah. of this stuff. Yes. And it was so yeah. funny. Even I told him that that's what we were doing. He said, and you're leading this? And I said, I have partners because <laughs> he yes. does our taxes. And yeah, um, yeah. but it was, it was a great community mm. collaborative effort. We had mm. some um, Afghan advocates who helped us plan it and put it together and shared mm. it with the Afghans that they know and yeah. um, provided the interpretation for all of it. Yeah. So yeah, this was the first one that we did. Um, I think other groups may have done it in the past. And I know Lincoln Literacy has some tax prep classes also. Um, so we were, yeah, we were excited to, to partner with uh, these really great people to yeah, pull this off. Yeah. It was one of the things I did notice, You uh, one of the, even the little things that it's easy to take for granted. Uh, there are people are there, oh, let's provide beverages and snacks. And, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, well, what kind of beverages and snacks? And, that's right. And we want to have something that's culturally appropriate and isn't, isn't going to seem weird you know, to the people. And so that, that was even for the people who, who were working that was, there was kind of a learn, learning curve there of just being culturally sensitive. Yeah. And kind of fun too. I remember talking to one of the Zion volunteers about mm -hmm. going to one of the Arabic stores in Lincoln and talking about what they were doing. And, and mm -hmm. I think the store uh, manager helped them put together uh, a some variety, ideas. some yeah. dates and some nuts and uh -huh. right. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah I, I think it, it is, it is a learning experience. Even just walking into a store is actually really, really fun. And they're always really welcoming and, and it, it can be a really fun learning experience. It, yeah, it, it can be, but it can all, I mean, again, with this can be very intimidating. I remember once Kelly sent me to an Asian market to, you know, had to buy a specialty item and, and all of a sudden I felt like I was, you know, again, well, cause I was in a completely different culture yeah. and you, it's like, am I in Lincoln? This is because I, now I know, I uh, have this little feeling of what it's like to be in a place where I, I, I don't know the language and I, and I'm not sure they really even want me here. That's right. The first time we lived abroad, um, I shopped in a supermarket and it was all Arabic writing on every mm. jar and can. And I just stood there and cried because mm. I thought I'm supposed to cook for my family this week and <laughs> I have no idea what any of this is. And I just had tears streaming down my face because I, I didn't yeah. have any, any local friend yet. I had no one to guide me through that. This is what's in this section and this is what's in this section and show me what you're going to make and what you want to cook. And so, mm. um, yeah, it can feel, and you can have some of those experiences here in Lincoln too. Like you said, yeah. you can get immersed in those and it's a really, um, if you're not having to depend on that for your family, yeah, mm -hmm. it can be a really fun yeah, and exciting experience. And Lincoln, Lincoln has become kind of a, I mean, it seems like over my lifetime, Lincoln's kind of a magnet for 
for immigrants and refugees. Is that, am I right on that? Yes, it is. I mean, I think Lincoln is known for being a welcoming uh, community. We Mm -hmm. have um, some of the families that we uh, are friends with and that we help, um, they have told their friends living in other states to come to Lincoln because it's so welcoming and so kind and simple Mm. and easy Mm. here. Um, And I think it's because we have a great reputation for Mm. welcoming. I mean, we have a lot of nonprofits working to welcome refugees in Lincoln. So it really is a beautiful citywide effort. That's awesome. Uh, hey, hats off, listeners. Uh, I think there are a lot of things we look around and we say, hey, we're not really doing this great, but I, I really do. Th- I, that's what I, I understand. I mean, the people, they, they're loving and caring yeah. and they want to be a part of it. I'm going to take another break. When we come back then, I want to talk about some of the practical things you're doing. Uh, I mean, you know, ministries always need money and they're, they're funding a variety of things, but but we also you also need manpower, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and I think, I think you'll be shocked at some of the things that you may say, well, heck, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of opportunities right at our doorstep. So we'll take a little break. We'll be right back here with Nikki Long from Juniper Refuge. Glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Nikki Long. Uh, she's the director of Juniper Refuge. And uh, so, again, we're talking about uh, ministry to refugees, doing very practical things, building relationships. Jesus has loved us and cared for us, and we want to love and care for other people, especially the sojourner, the uh, the person who's found their way into our, into our neighborhood. Um, one of the things that always, and we've talked about it a little bit, but I think... Um, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I think one of the things that people fear the most is the language barrier. Yeah. Just like you went abroad and you're just like, I don't know how to do this. And you're in the marketplace mm-hmm. and so forth. I think, I, in fact, I think it's one of the number one things that it, for many years it made me not want to travel internationally because it's like, I, I don't speak French. I don't speak German. I, you know, I, I how is this going to work? Uh, and so the idea of, hey, I love people. I love I love these people who got as uh, the refugees who he's brought here, but it would freak me out to have to try to communicate with somebody who knows very little English, and I know I know none of their language. Yeah. How do you how do you begin to kind of encourage that person to think in a different way? Yeah, it's really intimidating to walk into a place and feel like you have nothing to bring. Um, mm-hmm. and you can't communicate at all. It's extremely intimidating. Um, yeah, we, we really hope that in our trainings, we help people get over that hurdle of I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to communicate. So I'm paralyzed to, um, building that confidence of, Ooh, this is a smaller hurdle than I thought it was. Mm. It's still a hurdle. It's still something you have to continually work through. Um, but it's not nearly as scary as it used to be. Um, so part of that is just exposure. So what is the context? Like what language is this and Mm. who speaks it? and um, where where are the people from? What is the context? Um, and tell us a little bit about this family's background. So um, I know that I'm I'm I don't need to worry about being insensitive about this or saying the wrong thing. Or are they gonna be mad if I accidentally say the wrong thing? If you know if I am able to communicate something, mm-hmm. and and what do I do if I can't communicate at all? Uh, communicate at all. And so uh, giving them very simple and practical ways to say, hey, if you can't say anything, then uh, you can break the ice by pulling up your phone and showing pictures of your family, Mm. whether it's just a fun trip that you did or some things you did with your friends. Mm. And you can point to this and you can say, this is my 
husband or this is my friend. And so they、mm. might know、mm. one of those words. And if not, then you can build on that and they'll show you pictures of their family or their friends. And、mm. you can slowly build a connection with people through pictures.、Yeah. Um, very simple things, walking through your house or, you know, typically these families are incredibly hospitable. So they'll put food and tea in front of you. And so you could say, this is called a cashew. And so, what is this? You know, you might know the language that it is. Yeah, so, yeah. how do you know? You can say, Dari? Like, what, you know? And,、uh-huh. and it, it might be hard and it's a challenge, but we also model that. So, we do like a soft entry.、Um, mm. So, we're with them the whole time when、mm. uh, that introduction happens. So, we've already given them training and background, and then we take them to、uh, their new、mm. refugee friend's house. We sit there with them and we tell them where to sit and, and we tell them what not to do and what to do, and this is how it's going to go. And then、yeah. we help them exchange phone numbers and help them set up a time to meet. And then we check in with that volunteer after they do it on their own for the first time. And、yeah. what were you? Nervous about, right? So, we try to reduce those barriers that fear causes.、Mm. Um, because, like, some training wheels. Yeah. Just to kind of make people feel a little bit safer. That's right. Yeah. There,、uh, when you think about the,、uh, I mean, it's, even as you describe it, it's like, oh, okay, I could kind of see how that would work, you know, and, and, and but there,、uh, But there is something about getting over that fear. I think that apart from the language barrier, you also mentioned the, the fear that I'm going to do something、uh, culturally insensitive.、Mm-hmm. That, I'm, that I, I didn't, you know, I'm going to put out the wrong hand to shake, or I'm going to sit in the wrong chair, or I'm going to, you know, do something that would be deeply offensive. And that, is that a part of what the training is about to kind of. Become aware of some of those things? We, yeah, we definitely talk about some of those things. We talk about like cross gender relationships.、Mm. Um, so sometimes、uh, a woman wants to serve in a home、um, to help the, the wife in a home learn how to speak. Um, English or become、mm. more conversational in her, in, her, in her English, but maybe the husband is fairly fluent. And so we encourage her to work through language with the wife, with the woman she's paired up with, and not to default to a conversation with the husband because、yeah. it's, it's easier, right? Yeah, it's,、yeah. um, so、mm. we help them think through like, how those dynamics play out because that could be offensive.、Mm. Um, but typically, The families are so excited you're there that there's、mm. most of what you're going to do is not going to offend them. So, we also provide a lot of assurance that way. And,、yeah. you know, we're, we all make mistakes because we're outsiders.、Yeah. And so, that's a natural thing. But, you know, they're going to make mistakes too. And so, if we can come about this as like with mutual, we're all human, we're all going to have some, <laughs> you know,、yes. fumbles here.、Mm-hmm. Um, how, do we, how do we do this together? And how do we provide、yeah. grace for each other in the middle yeah. of it? Yeah. 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 The,、uh, one of the other really practical things of are you still doing the driving training? We are. We had so many requests for driving assistance that、um, we had to、uh, limit it to only people that are in our mentorship program. So, people that have a team of mentors teaching mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm.、Um, then we'll do some、uh, training for a volunteer on that team to provide. Um, anyone in that home needing coaching will provide that. But the need is so great.、Mm-hmm. And、um, in the meantime, I mean, Lincoln Literacy has started up some great classes. The Asian Center has some a simulator and some really great classes too. And、mm-hmm. so、um, that has been a huge help. So, you know, when we don't have those volunteers, because it's, you、mm-hmm. know, it's, if it's intimidating to speak. Someone else's language is intimidating to get behind the wheel、yeah. or to be next to someone behind the wheel that you can't speak the same language、yes. with.、Oh, so,、yes. yeah. We went to Germany a few years ago and,、uh, and I said, okay, we got to rent a car with GPS. 
because and then of course we did rent a car with GPS and of course the language was set to German. Yep. <laughs> so we had yep. to wait a minute, hold on, reset <laughs> this to English. So we actually it was kind of a funny story. We're outside the the airport and we had to like walk over the you know the sideway to get in back into the place and have the guy come out to the road to reset things. But once you had that, you could get anywhere. Yep. Because it was all in my language and and I, it was the easiest traveling I've ever done. <laughs> Uh, is that, I mean, obviously if you're driving a car that's not, you know, brand new or doesn't have GPS, then can phones do a lot of that as well now that, that we used to just rely on maps and memories? Yeah. Uh, can, can phones pretty much answer that question? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, most of the people that we, um, have in our programs know how to use GPS on their phones. So that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. That's awesome. That's awesome. What about the, so if I, if I said, hey, I'm all right, I guess I know how to drive. I could teach someone to drive. What, what's, the, what's the training process for someone who wants to do that? Yeah, so um, I do those trainings, and I'm not, uh, you know, a professional driver, but I've been doing it for a couple decades. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of the training just makes us slow down and think about what do we do intuitively if you've been driving for a couple decades you don't really think about all the things that are are just muscle memory and so we um encourage people to think through all of those unique things they do when they're driving around and to pay attention to traffic flows because that is we we want to um decrease vulnerability so most of our training is for women um we want to make competent and confident drivers Mm. who don't get in car accidents. So we want to make sure that um, we are helping them mitigate those risks while we're teaching. We don't want them to just pass the test. We mm. want them to be strong drivers. And so the the coaching is not just what do you do if there's a red light? Um, it's what to anticipate at an intersection um, mm. and what other people are going to do that's not actually following the law, but what they're going to do anyways. Um, <laughs> nobody at a, at a yellow flashing arrow, no one waits behind the line. They pull up to the middle of the intersection yeah. um, so that you can turn when there's an, a, you know, the opportunity. Yep. But on the test, you're going you're gonna to get points off for that. And so mm. knowing how to anticipate uh, the, the flow of traffic. Um, but what's the say? There's a reason you don't wait in the middle of the road. Yeah. It's because you get T-boned should someone run it, right? Yeah. So yeah. helping them think through all of those different things to just help keep them safe too. So yeah. we, we talk about all those different scenarios and the driving training. And we also focus a lot on let's practice things before we get behind the wheel. So it sounds kind of silly, but we, um, we draw uh, roads on a piece of paper and we use toy cars. So oh. <laughs> if you're teaching right of way, yeah. you don't have the pressure of doing it on the road. Yeah. You can practice it with toy cars in their home, practice the English together. When I say do this, um, what does that mean to you? And let's practice yeah. the dialogue there. And it's silly, mm-hmm. but it's fun. It keeps it light yeah. and, and it kind of works a little bit too. Well, I mean, it sounds very <laughs> smart. The minute you said it, it's like, Oh yeah, you could learn a ton that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, okay. We're going to take one last break. When we come back here, we'll do a little shameless plug. And then I've got a few more questions about things that are going on. And by the way, uh, in the old days, I ran out of mugs, but I used to give mugs to people when they came on the show. And I hold in my hands a beautiful Juniper Refuge mug, which I will fill tomorrow morning with coffee and copious amounts of creamer, too. Uh, it is a friendly fire Saturday talking with Nikki Long here from Juniper Refuge. Glad to have you along uh, on a Saturday morning here on, uh, on 1400 and 99.3 KLIN. 
bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning, talking with Nikki Long. She's with Juniper Refuge. They uh, are a, a ministry and outreach uh, to uh, refugees. And, uh, and Nikki, it is the time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So uh, you've got a lot, a lot to plug today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I say plug away. Thanks. Yeah, we have two fundraisers coming up. The mm-hmm. first one is tomorrow, Sunday, uh, September 24th at Adventure Golf. We have rented a course there and just want to meet people in Lincoln who might be interested in Juniper Refuge. Just come mm-hmm. out, talk to us, play a round of putt-putt on us. We have some really awesome raffles that we've got from Glacial Till and Wax Buffalo um, and lots of other places. Um, so, yeah, if you just want to come and meet us and see what we're about and have a conversation with mm-hmm. us, then we'd love to have you at that fundraiser tomorrow. Um, and then um, we're kind of excited about um, a, a volleyball watch party we're going to have on October 13th. Mm. Um, that Friday night, um, we're playing Michigan State. And, uh, you know, the, the volleyball Huskers are, oh. are you know, we're, we're doing all right uh, and uh, yeah. so <laughs> i think it will be a really fun time um but yeah we we uh are, are hoping to invite more people to be a part of what our ministry is doing as we plan mm-hmm. for the future mm-hmm. and to be a part of investing and so mm-hmm. uh, we want to give people the opportunity to meet us and then an opportunity to kind of dig in and have bigger conversations with us at that watch party right. um so yeah we'd love for folks to come um you could find those on our website and on our facebook page um, what is the website Juniperrefuge.org. Juniperrefuge.org. And the juniper, remind us of what the juniper is about. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Old Testament has these beautiful um, pictures, these illustrations that they just, uh, it comes out in that storytelling um, culture. And so um, there's this, there's this time where Elijah is running for his life and he runs into the wilderness and he's just about to give up. Um, and he says, God, I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he falls asleep and an angel meets him and sustains him and then he falls asleep again and the angel comes and meets him again and it, and it gives him just enough. Um, in the wilderness right there where the angel meets him, he, he falls under a broom bush, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, the technical word for this, this tree is, is a broom bush, but mm-hmm. Uh, the King James Version calls it a juniper tree. So we like juniper better than broom. Um, but, you know, there are these times in our lives where we just can't stand up on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and God meets us there and he mm-hmm. and he sends us angels mm. to, to sustain us for just a little while um, to be mm-hmm. uh, to give us just enough to help us stand up again. Yeah. Um, and so I just I love that image of how the Lord um uh, uh, meets us in those spaces. He didn't fix Elijah's problems, but he mm. met him there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that image and I, and I, I love that story. Um, and I, and I hope that, you know, the Lord's not calling us to fix anybody. Um, we can't even fix ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we all need Jesus, yes. um, to sustain yeah. us. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. Uh, it is, it is so amazing to me. We're going through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings and and of course, the call is to go, go to all nations. Mm. And that's the story of the uh, of the book of Acts and the story of, of history is a going. But we live in a time and place where people have gone and Christianity has planted itself here. And now God is bringing the, the world to us. Yeah. 
I mean, so many different nations are, are represented right here in That's this right. place at this time. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. And God orchestrates all of those movements, right? He uses bad for good, right? Mm-hmm. He turns it around. He mm-hmm. flips it upside down, and he uses it for good. Um, and so even as I as I think about that story, um, the, the, the picture of, of Elijah falling under that tree, we have a family from Burma in our program right now, and they just have a bunch of health stuff going on, and... Um, and they're just, they're down, their spirits mm. are down. And, um, there are a group of volunteers, about five people who, um, who've just showed up for them mm. and, and they're, and they're craving, um, that kind of kindred friendship with them. And so they're, uh, they, they have committed times where they, they want to go meet with them every week and they know that they're going to show up. And sometimes this family cancels on them, but it's because, you know, they know that there's, there's deep stuff happening in them. Mm. Um, but this family, these are, these volunteers, they just want to continue showing up. Mm. Um, and I, and I think they're starting to get some traction there on, mm. oh, these people really care about us. And I mm. think we can trust them. Um, because I think this, that with what this family has going on, um, I, it's it's hard for them to get through day to day responsibilities. Um, there's yeah. a lot of stuff falling through the cracks as the kids need um, help with homework, mm. and there's just there's there's not that space at home for that. Yeah. Um, and so there's simple, very practical things where these these this team of volunteers can show up. Um, but that's where you know an agency can help with some of those things through casework. But sometimes we just need God's people to come yeah. around us. Yeah. Um, and this is a Christian family. And so they're getting to experience yeah. the body of Christ around them mm-hmm. in a really impactful time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that, again, uh, the county and the city do. And uh, it's, it's great. But, but it's not enough. And, and uh, we, uh, we are commissioned by Christ to love people. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, this is a, there are just so many wide open opportunities and doors there. Um, if, if, if somebody is interested in, in, uh, exploring more, they say, I don't know, I, maybe there are some practical things that I could do. Yeah. What would a first step look like for somebody? Yeah. Um, so we do interest meetings. We, um, we kind of like to have good relationships with our volunteers. So even just coming by our office, um, we are at 1601 Normandy. You can just stop by. We'll be there during business hours and talk to us. If you just want to have a conversation, um, you mm-hmm. can find my personal cell phone number on our website, um, or on our Facebook page. So text me and say, Hey, I want to have a conversation. Um, that is accessible. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me for my cell phone number, I will say no. So that's very accessible. Well, um, yeah. I mean, because sometimes you just, you have questions. And if you feel mm-hmm. the Lord stirring in your heart, like I, yeah, I have I have a heart for the nations, but I don't know what that looks like here. I don't know how to do that. I've got kids. Mm-hmm. I've got a busy schedule. How can I be a part of that mm-hmm. here and in my everyday life? And how can I teach my kids about that here? And how can we incorporate that into yeah. our, our family's rhythms? And yeah. so... Um, that's, that's my heart is to do those same things with my own family. Yeah. Um, and so we care about what, uh, what God is doing in the church, yeah. um, to reach the nations and to be the church. Yeah. Where... Yeah. Just about two minutes left. The one other thing that struck me was, um, the, what you're describing is something that takes time mm-hmm. and, and it takes attention over, okay. So over a period of time to, to commit to someone and let me just say, as a longtime pastor and person involved in ministry and a, and a full-time American, we're not good at that. No. We're, we're not good at that. And uh, how? what would be your 
advice or coaching or whatever, even if we people don't get involved in ministry, that that how do we stop living in such a way that we that we're scared off by anything that that isn't fast, it isn't mm. quick, it can't be fixed tomorrow? Gosh, Stu, that's a good question. Um, we're having a Christian community development training coming up um, in October, and it talks about what the root cause of poverty is. And so if you have read When Helping Hurts or you you know about the Chalmers Center, you know that the, the root cause of poverty is broken relationships. Mm. Um, and all of us are, are we are broken people. Um, mm. And a lot of the, the vulnerability we see among our refugee friends is, is broken relationships. And so I think if we stop looking at things as a task or this is filling up my time and look at how the Lord is stirring in our hearts, mm-hmm. um, then I think we, we lean into those relational areas where the Lord is calling us to create space. Mm-hmm. And then it's not a, a guilted, I should do this, but it is a, uh, a finding a habit that brings you joy because you're filling um, your your internal space with the things that the Lord cares about. Mm, I like that. There was a, 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 a deacon of mine used to always say that uh, your time is something you have to budget just like your money. Yeah. And uh, for oftentimes we, we, we're not good at budgeting our time. Uh, but uh, this is this is time well spent. Thanks for coming in today, Nikki. I sure do appreciate it. Thanks, Steve, And uh, the me. So we can miniature golf tomorrow. Yep. And, uh, and if you want to learn more, juniperrefuge.org. That's right. All right. And if you come to the Miniature Golf, there's just an outside chance I might be there. And uh, I just want to warn you, I will beat you at mini golf. <laughs> I am a mini golf, uh, 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 you know, shark. There's some other enthusiasts so. coming. You might have some competition. All right. All right. Oh. We'll see about that. Goes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks, too. I leave you seeing as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.